Welcome to the Living Jewishly Podcast. I'm Dr. Elliot Malam. I'm Rabbi Yossi Saperman. And I'm Rabbi Bluth. We talk about Judaism, and we talk about living, and we talk about everything in between. And what it means to be Jewish and human in today's world. Judaism is not nearly as boring as I thought it was. We're not selling you on Judaism. We're not selling you on living. We're just trying to get you inside of our brains, the way we think about stuff. And the way we feel about stuff. And we'll try to be as real as possible. By getting you into our Jewish brain, you'll argue a lot, you'll disagree, you'll love, you'll eat, you'll have a really good time, you'll learn a lot of things, and you know what? You might actually find that all those 3,000 years have been worth it. And maybe we'll even come out being better people for it. Welcome to Living Jewishly Podcasts. You are listening to What's in Your Toolbox, a monthly podcast on mental health. I am your host, Bobby Kay, a comedian, mental health advocate, and executive producer of the documentary No Magic Bullet, an honest discussion on mental health. Welcome, everybody, to the sixth episode of What's in Your Toolbox. My guest, is an old friend of mine who we met in junior high or high school. And I can remember fondly dancing with her. She had a blue gym outfit on. I had my shorts on the night and then I probably haven't washed for about six months. And we just danced and we've stayed in touch over the years. And Jody Kersner, who I'll introduce you to, offered to be a guest on this podcast. So. Without any ado, I want to introduce you to my friend, Jody. Hey, Jody, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. Nice to be here. Nice to see you. Well, it's nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. And we have a purpose for this conversation rather than me just asking about who, what, where, when, and why of our, all of our old friends. So tell me, I've already made the introduction. We met in junior high or high school. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I remember you so clearly. You, well, I remember high school for sure. You were always outside the box. You were always different than the other kids. No question about it. You were loud. You said strange things at strange times. You were always very talented, always very creative, and you had a huge heart. So you were lovable on top of all those other qualities. Well, not only did you remember me, but you wrote in my yearbook. And actually, I have it right here. It says Spectrum 73. So I guess we might have been in grade 11 or grade 12. And at the end of the year, everybody passes around the yearbook. And as we all know to the listeners, I, you know, I'm a comedian and I've been listening, listening to Seth Rogen and he has his podcast about his yearbook. So if you will allow me, Jody, I'm just going to read what you wrote. Because let's do the math. I mean, I don't know. What is it? 50 plus years, right? Yeah. So what, how old were we? Yes, we might have been 16. 16, 15, like, 16. You were 16. I would have been 15. Dear Bobber, that's what you called me. May I take this opportunity to tell you exactly how I feel towards you, considering that you are my future fiance. <laughs> we really should get a few ends unloosened. First, will you stop littering, you slob? Secondly, you better stop getting ashes 
on your good beige pants. <laughs> Thirdly, you should stop laughing for about five minutes if possible. Fourthly, well, this this isn't appropriate, but it basically says if you hit me one more time, I will personally see to you that you die this time. I, I don't know if I hit you. I don't think it was it was meant intentionally. I, if it is, I apologize. Fifthly, you should stop drinking that shitty beer. It's bad for your ulcer. You should go on a strict diet of cottage cheese and yogurt. Also, this way, you'll lose your beer belly. It's cute, though. <laughs> Sixthly, you should stop screaming. Screaming, your voice is really quite loud. <laughs> Regardless of the above mentioned factors, I still love you and want to be your bride. Love, Jody. P.S. I really do have a swimming pool, and you can swim whenever you want. So, there you go, guys, listeners. That's from our yearbook, and I think one of the uh, tools that we should be talking about, aside from the dance of yours, is the fact that continuity is such a hard thing to keep, And uh, but the harder you work at it, the better it gets, and Jody and I Definitely, as you can see, have continuity. So, Joe, we talk about people's hobbies, interests becoming tools. So I call this thing dance, dance, dance. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Back in high school, in our gym class, we had a unit on social dancing. I danced my whole life, but I remember this unit. And I'll talk about dancing and other parts of my life. But I want to talk about how you and I connected on the dance floor because it was such a highlight for me. We had social dance in our gym unit and you and I were dancing together. We were doing jitterbug. We were doing jive and it was unbelievable for me. You were the partner of my dreams. You were lifting me and flipping me and throwing me. And wow, it was, I was so exhilarated. Such a happy memory, such a highlight for me. I know that there were other girls who you danced with, who you made an impression on too. You were a pretty popular guy in that unit, that's for sure. And we connected dancing, which for me was pure joy. So between the time we danced in gym and the time I talked to you about one of your highlights was going to the opening ballet after the pandemic. Ah, yes, that was spectacular. We went to see the National Ballet just when they lifted the restrictions, and it was like going home. Everybody who worked for the ballet would say, welcome, welcome back, welcome back. And it was very, very, very joyful and beautiful to, to experience that. So if this is about the toolbox, which it is, tell me between those 50 years, what why have you and what does dance do for you? Dance has done so many wonderful things for me. I could make a list. I will tell you, though, how it helped me navigate some of the stressors in my emotional life, my mental life. I started dancing when I was a little girl, and I kept dancing all the way through until I was in my 20s. As a teenager, I continued to dance and I, I sort of doubled down on my commitment commitment to dance because the dance classes were scheduled right around the dinner hour, like 7, 7.30. And every night in my family life, we had family dinner. It was very important to have family dinner. Family dinner with us was always fraught because I had a 
father with a, a, a kind of a violent temper and a brother who was unable to do anything but antagonize that father. For me, sitting at that table every night meant anxiety. It meant a stomach ache. I wanted to be anywhere but sitting there eating dinner with those people. So even though they were my family. Fortunately, dance classes were scheduled at around 7, 7.30 every night. And I mean, you can't go to a dance class with a full stomach. So I got out of family dinners and I was able to eat at about five o'clock all by myself in peace and quiet. It dance for me was such a great solution to the problem of having to sit through family dinners and feel that anxiety. So it meant a lot to me. So as you progressed through, if you consider that that was an anxious moment for you, you know, did you use dance to deal with any other anxieties as you went through your struggles? Absolutely. I, I, I'm unfortunately, I'm, I'm divorced. I've been divorced. I got divorced 20 years ago, but nothing, there's nothing so disruptive as knowing that you're ending your marriage and breaking apart a family. Dance for me was how I soothed myself and how I, I found that groundedness that I need when I felt that my whole life was falling apart around me. Dance was an anchor for me again. And something about a dance class is very ritualistic. It's very meditative. It's exhilarating and joyful, but also very soothing. And I think those are the elements that helped me and why it remains part of my toolbox. It's always been in my toolbox. You've used the word soothing twice. I can tell you that our friend, my friend Yossi, in the first episode talked about how I was a very hobbied person. And the reason that I was hobbied was is because it helps to just calm my monkey brain. But I know, because I see you a lot on social media, and you post a lot, that you have quite a few other interests, hobbies. I don't know if they're tools that help you soothe. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. So on social media, you'll probably mostly see some of my hiking excursions. I love hiking. I love being in my body. I love being out of the city, in the forest, in the mountains. So that for sure, I can hike all day. I can go five hours, six hours, seven hours. And it, it's just so meditative and so, so soothing, but also exhilarating. So hiking, being in the mountains, walking. I love, love that. Some things that you won't see on social media are my passion for reading. Again, as a sensitive kid growing up in a family where there was a lot of violence and a lot of yelling, and I read my way through my childhood. I I remember, <laughs> I, fortunately, I don't get car sick. I mean, imagine six people in a car with a father and a mother like, like mine. I mean, great as they were, there were moments when that car was the place I did not want to be. And I remember sitting and sitting for hours and reading, just escaping into a book and everything around me just dissolved, just disappeared. So reading for me is also a way to kind of escape where I'm, I'm at, but also uh, explore a new, a new world. 
and again, soothing, comforting, exhilarating, all those, all those great things. So there you go. So there's reading I have seen on social media that you love doing puzzles. I do puzzles. I find them also very calming. It's nice to be able to solve a problem. Like, where does this piece of puzzle go? It's, it's satisfying work. I'm also a big knitter. You probably didn't know that. I love to knit, especially baby clothes. And as a new grandmother, I get lots of opportunity now to, to knit for my grandbabies. Knitting is great because it soothes my, keeps my hands busy keeps my mind occupied, but not so occupied that I can't listen to an audiobook. I can't do, you know, chores around the house. I can't watch TV. My hands are going. It's calming me down. I'm actually making something really beautiful at the end of it, and I'm able to give it as a gift to somebody who I love. So knitting is great, satisfying. So what's cool about this, Jody, is is that hopefully our listeners are saying, you know what, I read, you know. I do puzzles. I knit. Why do I do those things? Because not everybody understands the challenges of mental health, of depression, of anxiety. So those are actually four very interesting tools that I haven't heard of before. You told me that you thought a little bit when you saw my documentary and it was the whole idea of the toolbox. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have any other tools? Like, I'll tell you mine. I love to bake because it keeps my monkey brain crazy. I love to garden because I got a plan. I love to do comedy because I, most people get nervous getting up on the stage and talking. It makes me calm. Actually, I have, you, as you know, and as the readers, listeners have know, I have Tourette's. And I have read about the Tourette surgeon that stopped twitching when he had to focus on operating. So that's all about me. So what do you do to deal with turmoil in your life other than those things? Like, do you know, can you think of any? Yeah, I think I, I need to get physical, get outside of my head, get walking, get moving. I I know you're a big baker and I've I've experienced some of your spectacular baking. I love to cook. I don't bake because I can't afford the calories, but I love to cook. And I find that is a very great outlet for creativity because you can make something in a pretty short amount of time. You can share with people you love. So if you love to cook and you love to feed people, that's a great way to spend time and come out of that experience a little calmer with something to show for it. So that's like my baking. Now, you love where you live. I do. I know you do uh, because, you know, I, I, I take sunsets. I live on a lake and take sunsets. And you always post once again saying, wow, look at this view from my house. So isn't that great? So talk to me a little bit about, you know, this Shangri-La that you found in downtown Toronto in the cement jungle. Yeah, it is kind of a cement jungle. It's funny how I, I feel that when I look out my window, I see buildings. It's all very geometric. I see a lot of cranes. I see a lot of energy. And when I, and I do enjoy it, but I also love the contrast of getting into a more organic landscape, like how you are living. Like when I get to hike, I find that is more calming 
the city is more energizing in a different way. Uh, my kids live close by to where I am. I love that I can get outside and there's something to see and do in any direction I choose to walk. So I do love that about living downtown. Is it, is it soothing? No. Is it calming? No. Is it energizing? Yes. Is it fun? Yes. When I need to calm down, I stay inside with a book or I, <laughs> I walk down to the music garden and stroll through the flowers and perennials and enjoy that as well. It's, it's very close. So could we qual- could we qualify it as something in your toolbox? Why not? I think for me, it's, it's getting out and exploring. That is a lot of fun. I can do that any time of day. And I find the exploring takes me out of myself, which I think is important for a toolbox activity. Well, the whole idea of the toolbox is everybody's got one, just that they can fill it up with a whole bunch of different stuff to deal with the stresses them. And I mean, I don't know, I guess you've solved the problem in your life of people yelling at you. (laughs) Yeah, avoidance. (laughs) That's why you never hung out with me, because I always used to yell at you. You didn't yell at me. Well, I'm glad that I didn't. So let's talk about, I have a BAST, Bob's amazing support team. And my one of my guests said, you know, like a support team is like a rudder on a boat. So I know that you have JAST, Jody's amazing support team. So let's explore some of those people that are on your team. I have a small but mighty support team who I can confide in and who understand and accept me. And I think that's so, so important. I think one of my, one of my qualities is that I tend to be kind of a private person and I, I would always prefer to draw on my inner resources than ask people around me to support me and help me. But I have been trying of late to be less private and to share some of my challenges in life with people on my team, people who I want on my team. And I have found that hugely successful, extremely rewarding by sharing more and getting outside of my comfort zone with sharing more. I feel less alone. I feel that I'm not so special that other people share the kinds of pain and emotions that I'm going through and I'm achieving greater intimacy. So I think what I'm learning and I'm learning this a lot from you, Bob, because I, I heard you talk about Bob's amazing support team and I thought, gee, I, I think I need to expand mine. So I have consciously been working on that. Well, you know, thank you. Well, thank you. And listen, you know, I listen. So you are a private person, but yet here you are on a podcast, you know, opening the kimono, explaining to people a little bit about how you have intellectualized the fact that that's something that you have to do. And that's great. And, you know, it's hard to expand your support team because it takes a lot of work. But if you have challenges, and when I was ill, I mean, I still am ill, but at least I'm on a podcast. When I was ill, you know, I would call people and I would be placated. So therefore, I had to have lots of people that I could call because, you know, five minutes and then I'd hang up the phone and I was back to square one. 
So I built up my support team to help me. And I know that that's good for me. And you find that's, do you call people to like placate you? Why do you, do you, why do you stay connected to these people? Why, why are you growing this support team? Because, because it, it, it's comforting to me. I feel loved. I feel, and in return, I feel more love for them. I, I just, I feel more, more connected. I think that's the word. I think it's, I'm staying in touch. Like I, I, I watched you like over the last few years. You make an effort. You pick up the phone. You call me. I call you a lot less because I'm not as, I'm more of an introvert. I'm not so much needing a lot of people or wanting a lot of people. But I admire that. I know that it takes work and I'm watching you do it. And I'm, and then I don't hear from you. So then I think, you know what? I haven't heard from Bob. I better give him a call. And I surprised you a couple times by calling you out of the blue. You were not expecting it from me. So I'm trying to be more connected and to be more open about the challenges in my life. Normally, I would be quite private. And the openness encourages people to be open in turn. So it's not just me opening the kimono. It's the person I'm, I'm talking with as well. So you're giving and you're getting. So to our listeners, you know, expand, even if you don't want to, try to expand your support team mm -hmm. so that if you need them, like for instance, I still see a psychiatrist. I've seen a psychiatrist most of my life and I don't really need him very often, except that I, you know, you can't just sort of look on the yellow pages and find a psychiatrist. So I just keep this guy on the hook in case I need to talk to him. So the more people you have on the hook, the easier it is to pick up and call them. So Jody, I'm a comedian. And one of the things I talk about is it's weird being the same age as all the old people. <laughs> here, here we are, 66, 67 years old. And you talked about you love grandbabies. So tell me about your, because you're the most beautiful grandmother well, I, I've got to watch out what I say because, but you're yeah, a very beautiful grandmother. Thank you. About being a grandmother and, and what that's all about. Well, having grandchildren is the biggest gift. There's no bottom to the amount of love you feel for your grandkids. I've learned that I have to adjust to the need of their parents, the needs of my adult children, and I can't speak my mind. I can't share advice or my experience because they can see that as criticism and react badly. So I took some good advice from a friend of mine, Jackie Markowitz. She's Lauren Markowitz's partner, wife, you know, Jackie. Yeah. And she said, you know, she just says the thing about being a grandmother is you've got to learn how to be a bobblehead. And when your kids start talking and telling you things, instead of sharing your point of view, you just nod your head, just up and down, say yes, yes, and be that bobblehead. It's really hard to adjust to not being so central in their lives, but you've got to let them be the center of their lives. So yeah, I'm, I'm a bobblehead and Jackie and I call ourselves now bobblehead boobies and we're practicing how <laughs> to just just listen and say yes, 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 and shake our heads up and down. So we're doing this podcast 
because hopefully it can spark an idea in somebody. So if anybody's out there and is a grandfather or grandmother and having challenges with their grandkids, this is something that you can put in your toolbox. And Jody has coined bobblehead. And I can tell you, you've, you've said that I've done you a favor by talking about growing my support system. And you've done me a favor because I never really thought about being a bobblehead. And now I am. And have you tried out the bobblehead technique? Oh, yeah. Just recently, I tried out the bobblehead technique and it's worked incredibly well, except that I'm not sure if I'm twitching or if it's a bobblehead. <laughs> But that that's my challenge. So there you go. I got a laugh out of my lovely friend, Jody Kersner. So you're very active on social media. I can tell because this week I saw that you posted, number one, that you, one of your daughters is going to have in four weeks a new baby. My daughter-in-law, yes. So that's fantastic. Very exciting. That's exciting. And then yesterday you posted that you were at the baseball game and you were with a pretty good-looking guy who uh, has always got a smile on his face. What's the story on that? Yes, that's Ken Sugar. We are getting married in, gosh, in about six weeks, seven I weeks. You were gonna marry, I thought you were going to marry me. Well, you'll be my third husband oh, <laughs> if you God. can wait around that long. <laughs> so tell me about that that challenge and how that's going. There's no challenge at all. It, it's a really, it's a really great relationship. It's amazing to find somebody who adds so much magic and sparkle to my life. He ex knows me really well. He's been through stuff with me and he's, he still likes me. <laughs> so it's all, it's all great. I'm very excited about the future. So my friend Jody, I can tell you that you are a survivor. You're a grinder. You certainly haven't had a roll, a merry-go-round life. You've had a roller coaster life and you keep climbing the hills. And I'm very impressed. And I'm so happy that you have joined me because I think that you have explained to a lot of our listeners that everybody has innately tools in their toolbox. So maybe all of that turmoil that you had at the dinner table as a teenager has made you into the fantastic, beautiful, incredible woman you are. <laughs> You're very, very kind. I think when you talked about finding activities that turn minutes into hours, that made me quickly see all the activities that are in my toolbox that I had never named before and allowed me to sort of elevate them. It's not just doing a puzzle. It's actually part of my toolbox and it's an important activity. So I in turn thank you for that. Well, you are a good listener because I did say minutes into hours, but that's mm -hmm. really not it. It's hours into minutes. Oh, hour, hours into minutes. You're no, right. No, but I, made the, I say, made the same mistake, but it, yeah. it's, it's the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. So exactly. Everybody, I hope that you've enjoyed as much as I have listening to my friend Jody Kersner. So this is Bobby Colvin and Jody Kersner, Jody Kersner Bruner. Jody Kersner Bruner signing off and thanking you all very much for listening to What's in Your Toolbox. 
So everybody, this podcast will air after I've been out to Calgary to do a fundraiser for the Canadian Mental Health Association for Central Alberta and love going out and talking about mental health. And, and if I, we can just affect one person with the work that we do, that's important. Our next podcast is called The Girl from Irish Lake. And it's a young woman who I know who's a great writer, a great blogger, and she has agreed to become a guest on What's in Your Toolbox. So everybody, until next month, see you later. Thanks for listening to the Living Jewishly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people like you find our show so that we can continue to grow the Living Jewishly community together. You can find us at livingjewishly.org and on YouTube and Instagram. Living Jewishly is living well with everyone.